This week at Fitzroy North, we did a good bit of writing. So take a minute to grab a pen in your journal or some paper to interact with the podcast. We hope you enjoy it. How's everyone going? Good. So this morning, um, we're going to be talking about, um, we're going to be doing some poetry. I'm actually not going to, I'm going to do a little bit of talking, but you guys are going to be writing some stuff. Uh, We have been doing this series on uh, spirituality and begun to focus recently on identity. identity. Um, And I figure that we can either keep it at a level of chatting about it and thinking about it, or we can actually spend some time going there with it. Um, So we're going to go there with it. So if we're going to be creative and a little bit poetic today, let's start with, uh, can someone tell me a metaphor for their weekend so far? Sorry? A metaphor, a metaphor. Quiet like what? That's a simile. Getting technical here. As she thinks. Anyone else? Metaphor, simile, come on, come on. My weekend was like a what? I didn't hear that. What was that one? Metaphor or simile. We're still getting bogged down in our high school uh, poetics here. Kat, what was your weekend like? Nice. That's a beautiful simile. Tamsin, what was your weekend like? Like the aftermath of an espresso. I like that too. Anyone else? Someone up the back there? Ah, that's nice. I like that. My weekend has been... Um, well, I'm, I sort of got to real. I basically be a fanboy yesterday. So my weekend has been a 15-year-old girl screaming at the Beatles. Um, my my poetry idol uh, has been over here uh, the last week. The guy who one of the world's best performance poets, a guy named Anis Mojgani, and I got to spend all day with him yesterday. So I literally was a 15-year-old screaming little girl, embarrassing myself um, to my poetry idol. It was not a pretty sight. Um, we're going to. We're going to go today into uh, reflecting on ourselves, uh, not just keeping this identity stuff up here, but, but having a think about who we are. Um, what, I'd, what this means is you may tap into some deep stuff today, um, some stuff about who you are, and we want to make sure this is a safe space. Um, there w- there's going to be time for like sharing in your, in your groups around your table and stuff. Um, absolutely, if you don't feel like you can share, you don't have to, don't feel pressured at all. Uh, and you come at this today with, with wherever you're at. Uh, if you don't feel like you're in that space where you, can, where you want to even think about yourself at all, then that is okay. You can just um, go into daydream land today. Um, but for the rest of us, is that okay if I do little talking and you do... Uh, lots of work today. Does that sound good? Is that what you came to church for? Or did you come to consume and sit there? I know. <laughs> yes, I came to consume. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, um, my name is Joel McCarro. I am a writer and a poet, a son, a father, a lover. I tend to look inwardly too harshly and outward too eager. I lose myself in what I give myself to. I twist on the tightrope tensions of my life, balance, 
between hero and friend, between wisdom and folly, between those I lead and those I love. I balance between the gravity of who I am and who I could be, the guilt of what I should be, the grace of what I can be. The rope beneath me feels stretched and frayed sometimes. I am the lonely boy who hides in crooked tongue. I am the broken ocean. I am branches and the stretch of sunlight. I am roots held in dark places. I am the harbor and the ache of boats long departed. I am shipwreck. I am storm clouds. I am the valley that runs between. I am the knowing stare of whiskey and wrinkled wisdom. I am youthful ignorance. I am the path unwinding. I am the wild and change of season, the mingle of dust and cloud. I am winged dragon who drags himself along the ground. I am all these things. These are the names that I give myself. A name gives a person a sense of existence. A name may be the articulation of one's identity. You carry a last name, for you carry within you the very union of the lineage that came before you. You are the overflow of their generosity as well as their poverty, their love as well as their fear, the light of their existence as well as its shadow. Your name is the echo of their own. You hold a name and your name holds you. There are names given us or that we give ourselves which hold us back from the trueness of who we are. I've given the wrong name to too many things in my life, called them that which I deemed suitable at the time, but suitable is never a good idea when it comes to the naming of things. We get too used to suitable names, to negative names, to biased names, and we tend to forget that which was unsuitable about ourselves, that which didn't fit that which falls outside the boundaries of the names ascribed to some attribute of ourself, the label pinned upon us. Today it is time to color outside the lines of who we have been told we are, of who we should be, of that which has held us down. We color outside the lines to discover more of ourselves. Erasers are of the devil. Names can be two. I've given the wrong name to too many things in my life. I've given part of my nature a label and then been locked into the prison of such label. I've been called an experience, I have called an experience of my past a certain name and so been forced to exist within its frame. I have spoken of aspects of my life in certain ways which have hindered my growth and my understanding. As the poet Rilke states, one must be so careful with names It is so often the name of an offense that a life shatters upon, not the nameless and personal action itself. It is not the event, it is the name that we give that event that truly shapes our identity. Names may perpetuate prisons or they may liberate possibility. We all have our names. We cannot choose not to name, but we can choose generous names. Names that call out the spaciousness within us. Names that allow us to change. What I'd love to do to start with today is get you guys reflecting on the names that you have given yourself and what names might be a better 
appropriation, a more spacious, a more generous naming of yourself. So um, we have a this. If you have, you should have pen and paper on your table. Uh, this is a little poetry exercise for you to do. We're going to go through this one fairly quickly, just give you a few minutes to do this. But I'd love you to think about this and maybe write, this is, this is the start of each sentence. So maybe just write one sentence. So it's a five-line poem that you're going to do. Here's the thing. Don't fret if you're like, I am the worst poet in the world. I have not written poetry ever in my life. I like things like numbers and mathematics and other things. Um, It absolutely doesn't matter at all. Don't fret. Don't think that there is a right answer, a wrong answer. No English teacher is going to come and yell at you because the structure is not right or you haven't written in the right meter. Um, This is simply a chance for you to engage with some of the deep stuff. So just spend a few minutes by yourself reflecting on this. Call me dot, dot, dot. For yesterday my name was dot, dot, dot. They have called me. Tomorrow my name will be. But as for today, I am. Spend a few minutes and write a poem.
Do we need more time? How are you guys going? A little bit more time? A little bit more time. Okay, a little bit more time. A little bit more time. So we might, you maybe just finish that up there. Even if you haven't finished, that's okay. Your name is dynamic. It will keep on changing. Um, what I'd love you to do, if, if you feel like you can, I'd love you to turn uh, to your group and just give some space for anyone who might want to share their poem. You absolutely do not have to. Uh, don't feel like you have to, but if there's some people on your table who would like to share their poem, and uh, even though maybe you're sitting with some strangers, um, if you're brave enough to do so, that would be amazing. So turn around and uh, have some chats on your table. Go for it.
Just a little bit more time. Finish up with whoever's speaking now. You guys doing okay after that? We're all doing okay? Who found that really, really hard? A few people, half people, who was like, that was a breeze, easy done, hands in the air. Who was like, whatever, don't care. Okay, um... This is a little clip. Has anyone seen the movie The Brothers Bloom? Anyone? It's a great movie. You should watch it. It's about two scam artists. Oh, I almost did a read then and pointed up here. I hate you, okay? Ah, I can't do this anymore. I can't wake up next to another person who thinks they know me. 35 years old, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm useless, crippled, I don't, I've only ever lived life through these roles that aren't in me, that are written for me by you, tell me what you want, why, so you can write me a role in a story where I get it, you're not listening to me, I want a real thing, I, 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 I wanna, I just, I wanna, I, I want an unwritten life. The movie's about two brothers who like to scam people uh, and they create whole stories. One of the brothers creates whole stories for them live, to, to live into. Um, and it's a beautiful movie because it gets to this point where he realizes he's just become a fake persona for, every, for his whole life has become a falsity, a persona, a mask. Um, and it's sort of, I think for many of us, it's maybe the cry of our heart to say it cliche-like is, I want an unwritten life. I don't want to be dictated, my life to be dictated by those scripts that other people have written for me of what it is to be a good Christian, of what it is to be a good um, daughter, son, father, mother, whatever, all those pressures that we have, all those expectations, all those scripts that we think that we need to live into. And most of the time, actually, it's not other people that put them on, our, on us, it's ourselves. Those scripts that we think we need to live up to, to be something. Um, a guy named Mark Twain, you might have heard of, uh, said this... What a wee little part of a person's life are his acts and his words. His real life is led in his head and is known to none but himself. All day long and every day, the mill of his brain is grinding and his thoughts and not those other things are his history. His acts and his words are merely the visible thin crust of his world. 
The mass of him is hidden. It's volcanic fires that toss and boil and never rest, night or day. These are his life and they are not written and cannot be written. The stuff that has happened to you in your life, the things that have occurred in your life, what I would say is this, those things that have happened to you, those experiences of your life, they are not what has shaped your identity. Who you are, your identity is not shaped by what has happened to you in your life. Rather, who you are, your identity is shaped by the stories that you tell about those things that have happened to you in your life. By the way you have spoken of those things, by the names you have given those things, by the, the way that you perceive them. In a, I did a psychology degree many years ago, um, and in, there's this thing called cognitive behavioral therapy, and cognitive behavioral therapy essentially says that you have an event that happens, and the event that happens causes a consequence. So event A causes consequence C. But what cognitive behavioral therapy says is that actually, no, it's not event A that causes consequence C. If a mouse runs into this room and Shane jumps up onto his chair squealing, it's not that the mouse caused Shane to do that. Rather, there's a point B in between. Point B is Shane's beliefs about that mouse. It's his beliefs about the mouse. It's the stories that he tells about the mouse that causes the consequence of Shane squealing like we know he would. Um, Does that make sense? The stories that we tell about our life, they matter a whole lot more than what has actually happened in our life. Which begs the question, what are the stories that you tell in your life? What are the stories that you give yourself? When you think back over your life and you think of who you are, what are the stories, what are the, what are the chapter headings we're going to jump into another little thing here for you to do. What I'd love you to do, and you won't have to share this one, what I'd love you to do though is think if who I am is these stories that I've written about myself, that I tell myself, that I tell other people, if that is what has made up my identity, what I'd love you to do is sit there and have a think. See if you can come up with, if you were writing a book of your life, not like a chronological, historical book of, of, of what has happened in your history, but if you could write, what are the chapter headings of your life? What are the chapter headings of this book? Not chronology, but who you are. So mine might be, uh, one of my headings might be new father. Another might be affirmation addict. What are the, what are the headings, chapter headings of the book of your life? Let's spend a few minutes and see if you can write down some of those major chapter headings. The stories, those main framing stories, negative and positive, that you tell about yourself.
just a little bit more time. Maybe just finish that up. <laughs> you can keep writing the novel of your life a little bit later. Let's keep it as a novella right now. Um, so if the, if the mass of us is hidden inside... Um, and it's hidden in our stories that we tell about ourselves, the names that we give to ourselves. Um, for me, it's also hidden um, in this idea. That um, we we all we all begin with with what we would call our, our true selves. We all have this nature. Part of our identity for me is made up of sort of this battle between three different parts of ourselves. The one part is our true self, who we were truly created to be. If, if none of the crap of life happens, but we have been made and said, you are good just as you are individually, not just in a generic way, but you, your personality and who you are and who you could be, the best version of yourself that you could possibly ever imagine um, is, is this, the true self. It's who you were made to be. Now, what begins to happen is upon your, um, I'll, I'll say it like this, I need my hands. What begins to happen is, is if we have a true self here, our fist is our true self, then the stuff of life happens 
and encroaches upon that and covers that, the broken stuff of life. We are told this, we're told that, we have parents who aren't around, we have abuse, we have words that are spoken, we have bullying at school, we have isolation, we have uh, all the things that we aren't living up to, the expectations, all the stuff of life that causes brokenness and cracks within comes on top of this broken self. But on top of that, we then go, oh, I really don't like showing my broken self to everyone. So we put what some people call our false self or our projected self on top of that broken self. The the self that we project out to everyone else that says, I'm fine, everything's okay, everything's good. Um, and, And the projected self is needed sometimes, otherwise we'd be a messy pit of victims and mess. Um, in fact, in some sense, often we'd say, well, it's the broken self is bad and the, the projected self is bad, therefore we need to live out of the true self. And, and whilst that is true in a sense, we never can. We are always made up of these three. If we give ourselves too much to the projected self, we become a shell of a person that lives more on Facebook than anything else. We we lose who we truly are. We, we become a chameleon to every, what everybody else wants us to be. If we give ourselves too much to the broken self, then we start to become a victim. We get caught up in our crap and we can't let it go. So we have these three things battling around within us. And it's so important to find people that we can begin to take down some of those masks of the projected self, safe people that we can show our broken self to, a space like this, a space like D groups, like whatever um, close-knit friendships that you have, a space where you can show the cracks and say, this is me, and begin to journey through some of that broken-esque stuff, which is a little bit what we're doing today. And so begin to live more and more out of that true self, out of the true who you are. But they're always all gonna be there. It's not about avoiding them or trying to, it's recognizing and and observing these three are gonna sit within our identity at all times. Does that make sense? Any thoughts or comments about any of that that people wanna shout out? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah, to separate, obviously, to separate ourselves out into three is the most ridiculous thing in the world. But to try to understand ourselves a little bit more gives us a gateway to see some things about ourselves, I think, to see it like this. But absolutely, it's not three, it's this entangled mess of broken and true and projected and all of that comes to be our whole self. Yeah, totally, great point. Thank you. Vainan. Do you want this? What do you mean by dreaded self? Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's like our identity essentially is sitting in the tensions of who we should be, who we could be, who we desire to be, who we are, the things we hate about ourselves yet we keep on doing. We sit in the tensions of all these things and seek to stumble and fumble and bumble our way through trying to work out who we are and who we are in relation to how God would see us as well. Um, what I, one of the ways that I've found really helps to sit in the tension and to play with some of this stuff um, is, is simply to recognize that if, if we are made of the stories that we tell about ourselves, not just what has happened to us, then when we begin to see the story, when we begin to change the stories, we begin to change our identity. So no matter what has happened to you, you have seen that in a particular way, through a particular set of lenses. When you begin to change those lenses, you begin to see yourself differently. You give yourself a new perspective, a new lens by which to see who you are and are no longer so trapped in this happened to me, therefore I am this, I am this, I am this. What if you began to challenge that just a little bit and say, this happened to me, but I got through it. I got through it, so I'm not a victim, I'm a survivor. And I'm now able to help other people, so I'm not only a survivor, I'm a leader who can help other people. That's, that's the sort of idea. It's beginning to challenge some of that stuff that we hold so dear that we say this is who we are. So one of the ways that um, I do this is through, is through poetry. Uh, essentially, it's what I do. I went into a Christian school. I'll just tell a very quick story. went into a Christian school the other day um, and was teaching, um, doing poetry writing. And this girl got up in year eight uh, and it was a conservative Christian school and she shared this poem uh, actually, what had happened just before this girl got up is one of the guys in the back of the class had said um, there was a joke that happened and, and the guy had said, oh, that's gay. And, um, and I I'd, I'd sort of, I heard it and I pulled him up on it and I said, and I was sort of coming in as the jovial poet and they're having fun and poetry is amazing, this is great. And he said that and I said, we're not gonna talk, we're not gonna say that's gay in a negative way anymore, are we, mate? And he was sort of a little flabbergasted because I just changed persona very quickly. <laughs> um, and he was shocked. He's like, oh, what do you, what? Uh, and I said, we're not going to talk, we're not going to use those words in a negative way anymore, are we? He's like, oh, I, no, I, why? Um, it, was, it was quite taken back. This girl gets up. She'd already written this poem. She gets up like five minutes after this happened to share this poem. And her poem, and I had no idea. Um, and she obviously had no idea this guy was going to say these words. But she, had, she got, gets up. And her poem starts, I am sick of people saying that's gay. And her whole poem was then this, um, this plea, this desire um, for equality and treating people right who are gay within Christian scenes. And um, she broke halfway through. This is a year eight girl. One of the bravest things, one of the most special times I've ever had in a school. She broke halfway through and was literally like weeping, sobbing, saying, we cannot treat people like this if we're gonna call ourselves Christians and say that what they're doing is wrong. And, and so it, we got to the end and, um, and it was one of those moments you could just cut. <laughs> uh, the air was so thick. The class was like, no one in year eight steps out and says anything that really matters unless... <laughs> Um, 
year eight is all about fitting in, not about standing out, um, especially for just a quiet little girl like this. She went off script by the end of her poem. She put the poem down and she kept on preaching for like two or three minutes. It was amazing. It was stunning. Um, and her words, I was like, you know what, I could, I could tell this boy this. And he'd go, oh, and maybe it might change something in him. But for someone his age to get up and to share this poem in tears, um, I was like, that is the thing that could change this, the culture of this whole class. I don't think that's gay is going to be used again in that class. And hopefully that will spread into the rest of that year. And who knows, spread into the, that school and it not be something that is used, the, the culture was changed. This for me is the power of poetry and storytelling and, and reflecting on what is in a different way and challenging what is with new and different stories. We do the same with our lives. So what I want to do is, um, and the way that I love to do this, if you've been in a poetry workshop of mine before, you might have, you might have we've probably done this little thing before, but uh, we're going to do it again. What I'd love you to do um, is we're going to use imagery and metaphor and simile to begin to have some, some lenses by which to look at ourselves, some lenses by which to see ourselves by. So the way we're going to do this is we're going to, you know that old game where you would say, uh, if you were an animal, what sort of animal would you be? And I would always be a lion, um, as you can tell, or sometimes a giraffe, actually. Um, what would you be? A koala? Oh, yeah. What would you be, Jeff? A dog. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, so we're going to play that game. So what I want you to do is on turn your bit of paper over, and at the top, I want you to write, I am, dot, dot, dot. And we're going to go through a bunch of these different, uh, different segments. And what I want you to do is to uh, write, this is, you're going to have to do this quickly, like quick. Uh, so I'm going to give you a short time because the idea with metaphors, this is not about writing a really good metaphor. The quickest way to not write a really good metaphor is to try and write a really good metaphor because you get stuck and you're like, oh, that sucks. Um, and, and so the, the best way to write a good metaphor is to actually step out of editing self and just let whatever comes out, comes out, even if it's weird. Um, even if it doesn't make sense, even if you're saying, I am a jelly bean who likes to jump on Fridays, but never on Tuesdays because they look too weak on Tuesdays. Like, it doesn't matter what you say. Um, it can be anything. So, um, we're going to go through and you'll have like just a quick time. So, I'm going to give you like short and I'm gonna, then I'm going to go to the next one. So, you've got to basically just go with the first thing that comes to you. And, and what I want you to do is a whole sentence metaphor. So don't just write, I am a sword. Talk about the sword. I am the rusty sword that is kept in my back pocket till the dragon arrives, whatever it might be. Um, use, make, make up the whole thing. So you can describe whatever it is or you can say what you do with it, give it an action. Um, this, is, this is poetry 101 we're getting into now. Um, so what I want you to do is think about who you are in relation to this. I am. So should we go? If you were a piece of furniture... What sort of piece of furniture would you be? Go, start writing. I am. Whatever comes into your head, first thing. Let the creativity flow. No right or wrong. 
If you were an automobile, what sort of automobile would you be? I am, right on the next line. I am a hot air balloon who has lost all of its hot air. If you were a musical instrument, what sort of musical instrument would you be? I'm a deflated piano accordion. If you were a shape, what sort of shape would you be? An isosceles triangle who thinks it's a circle. What sort of shape would you be? If you were some food, what food would you be? Lastly, if you were a landscape, what sort of landscape would you be?
Okay, finish that up. So, the last part of writing that I want you guys to do before we maybe we'll share something and then we'll head towards a finish. Um, the last part of writing that I'd like you to do today is choose one of those that for you most resonates, the, the one that most stands out that is like, that's me or that's who I want to be or that's that, just an image that, that out of any of those that resonates the most. And what I'm going to do is we're going to have a few minutes of flow of conscious writing. Flow of conscious writing helps us uh, not get stuck in editing mode as well. It means that we put pen to paper and we just write. We force ourselves to write and not stop. So your pen's not allowed to stop moving this whole time. So I'm going to give us like four minutes flow of conscious writing. So the idea is to choose one of those images and maybe start on uh, the next lines. And you could start with my life is dot, dot, dot. And then, uh, you, so you don't have to write the exact words of that, that one sentence uh, metaphor that you'd, that you'd written there, um, but just that general concept. So start there and just see where it goes thinking about yourself and how this image might relate to who you are, to who God sees you as, to, um, to your identity. Does that make sense? Everyone knows what we're doing? Ready to get sore hands? Four minutes starting now, go. I'm going to yell at you if I see you not writing, if you are choosing to write, if you're thinking too much. This is not about thinking. Don't think, just write. And no editing, no scribbling out, no reading back over what you've done, just write. So you thinking there, too much thinking, too much thinking, keep writing. Over halfway, you're doing well, doing well. Minute and a half to go.
Sally, too much thinking, not enough writing. Right, right, right. Thirty seconds. Finish that line. Stretch those tired, weary fingers who are so used to typing and not writing anymore. So um, what I'd love you to do again is to turn to your groups. uh, And if you feel like you could share the writing that you just did with your little group, Uh, That would be amazing. Absolutely, you can pass. But just if you feel like you could share that, that would be great. So turn your groups and have a chat and listen well to each other if someone's sharing. And then we'll head into communion.
finish with the person who's reading now. All right, we're doing okay again? You guys good? Good. Hopefully, for me, what this is doing is it's giving you a new way to look at your life by uh, a new lens, a new image. Poetry, for me, is essentially about relearning yourself, restoring the stories that have always been there, the scripts that have been written for us. It's about writing new ones. It's about discovering new ones. Someone, I don't know who it was, but someone said that uh, creativity is a lot like looking at the world through a kaleidoscope. You see the same world as everyone else does, but you rearrange the pieces into enticing new possibilities. That's what happens when we tap into these images and these metaphors. We rearrange things into an enticing new possibility, a new way of seeing the reality maybe of who we are that we don't like to go and the possibility of who we could be. We're going to move to finish up into a, uh, into a time of, of communion. Uh, other metaphors and images that were used long ago uh, to speak around identity, to change the way that we see the world. And as, as we go into this, um, I'll start us with this prayer, but then what I'd love you to do is just to read back through, as you have communion, to read back through the piece of writing that you just did. And when you feel like you can, um, read through it. And then uh, if you're someone who has communion, you absolutely don't have to. Um, I couldn't be bothered explaining it now, so don't worry about it if you are new and just like, this is a weird thing. Yeah, um, it's a weird thing. We'll talk about it another time. Um, <laughs> If you're regular and you, and you take communion and stuff, then, then go for it. The idea, read through your thing uh, and then when you feel like you can and want to offer this uh, within this communion setting, offer this as your own um, broken bread, blood. Let's, let's pray. God, help us to find our confession the truth within us which is hidden from our mind, the beauty or the ugliness we see elsewhere but never in ourselves, the stowaway which has been smuggled into the dark side of the heart, which puts the hearts off balance and causes it pain, which wearies and confuses us, which tips us in false directions, and inclines us to destruction, the load which is not carried squarely because it is carried in ignorance. God, help us to find our confession. Spend time with your bit of writing and, and have communion when you feel you can.
So um, as, we, as we finish up today, just two quick things and then I'll um, lead us in a, a blessing to send us off. Um, two quick things. One is um, obviously today and what we've gone through and reflecting on ourselves can bring up stuff we don't heaps like and, and churn us up in different ways that we didn't expect. Um, so my encouragement is to be gentle on yourself over the next little while if, if that is the case. Uh, if you need to chat to someone um, I can stay down here and Louise will be here and um, if you just feel like I need to get this off and, and chat through this um, and make sure you do, whether it's with someone here or just someone who's close to you that you do let down that projected self to from time to time, um, do so. Just be be kind and gentle on yourself once you've done this stuff. Um, uh, the other thing quickly to say is that if you need to see, uh, chat about uh, co-creators or uh, D groups, see Reed. Um, after this, that would be great. Um, let me, why don't we uh, stand and I'll read this blessing from John O'Donohue. It's a blessing for the unknown self. thought it was appropriate for today. Um, thank you. Thank you for choosing to go there, for doing a little bit of a different uh, churchy type thing today. Um, hopefully it's been helpful for you to to reflect and think and take some of the stuff we talk about and let it sink into the deep places, the deep, deep. This is for the unknown self. So much of what delights and troubles you happens on a surface you take to be the ground. Your mind thinks your life alone. Your eyes consider air your nearest neighbor, yet it seems that a little below your heart, there houses in you an unknown self who prefers the patterns of the dark and is not persuaded by the eye's affection or caught by the flash of thought. It is a self that enjoys contemplative patience with all your unfolding expression, is never drawn to break too much into the light. Though you entangle yourself in unworthiness and misjudge what you do and who you are, It presides there within like an evening freedom that will often see you enchanted by twilight without ever recognizing the falling night. It resembles the under earth of your visible life. All you do and say and think is fostered deep in its opaque and provenient clay. It dwells in a strange yet rhythmic ease that is not ruffled by disappointment, It presides in a deeper current of time free from the force of cause and sequence that otherwise shapes your life. Thus, it knows to dwell in you gently, offering you only discreet glimpses of how you construct your life. At times, it will lead you strangely, magnetized by some resonance that ambushes your vigilance. It works most resolutely at night, as the poet who draws your dreams, creating for you many secret doors, decorated with pictures of your hunger. It has the dignity of the angelic that knows, that knows you to your roots, always awaiting your deeper befriending. May you befriend who you are to take you beyond the threshold of want where all your diverse strainings can come to a wholesome 
is. Amen. Go in peace.